episode 162 of the American Entrepreneur Podcast. What I learned reading CIA manuals on persuasion. So over the past year, I've read over a thousand pages of declassified CIA manuals on anything from uh, persuasion, manipulation, brainwashing, and interrogation, including FBI manuals on interrogation. And I've walked away with a few very interesting conclusions and some common themes, common themes that pop up over and over again. Um, and these, these themes are anything from, you know, how to sell and persuade to how to set up a sale to how to control an environment to persuade. And, and so I wanted to go over some of the most common themes that I see time and time again. And so it's anything from declassified. What you're going to hear is anything from declassified FBI, CIA manuals to, you know, from, from Chris Voss has never split the difference to the ellipsis manual, um, to me making my own personal manual on persuasion over the uh, past few years focused on our declassified CIA material. So thought I'd just riff on this for you. There's going to be some very interesting information here when want to miss out. And I, I don't know, any, I don't know anybody who's taken this stuff and made a podcast out of it um, and mixed this with sales programs and 10 plus years of experience. And so here we go. We're going to riff on it. I have a few subjects written out. First subject is confusion. That's right, confusion. We can double this as confusion or curiosity. I want to start out by saying I had a friend in, in college. He's one of the most persuasive and charismatic people I knew. And, and so my friend would always talk like this. And he'd always ask you questions about you. He's a very curious person and he was very interested in other people. Um, and because of that curiosity, people wanted to, you know, people wanted to answer his questions, right? Um, you, you ever see a little kid walking around, they look kind of confused and they don't know where they're going. An adult kind of comes to their rescue. Uh, you look at a guy named Jeremy Miner, he talks about this a lot too. He says, oh, oh, what, what do you mean by that? Right? So, uh, uh, oh, yeah, um... Yeah, he said he said he would go door to door and he was doing something for his church, like a missionary thing. And people kept slamming the door. And instead of answering, saying, hey, I'm Jeremy, he, he would open the door and say, hey, um, real quick. Uh, and that curiosity would get them to listen to him, kind of come to his rescue. Uh, so confusion and curiosity. People respond very well to curiosity. It prompts them to answer, even if they're upset with you, right? Well, well, yeah, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Or if they're not a type A personality, hey, what do you mean by that? Oh, yeah, let me help you. This is what I meant. Curiosity and confusion, I, there's something about it that triggers a response from people. It prompts them to respond, right? So curiosity and confusion is something I was missing. And if you're a salesperson who's really assertive, if you're right, if you're an assertive salesperson, 
you can be so self-assured that there is no room for you to be curious or confused. And so people stop coming to your rescue. And so this is something that could have helped me years ago of just, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I know what the answer is. Here, here's what I think you should do. Without showing that curiosity, A, people won't come to your rescue, and B, you won't seem interested in what they have to say anyways. So curiosity and confusion shows up with Jeremy. It shows up in the ellipsis manual. Um, it kind of shows up in Jordan Belfort's straight line system. And so curiosity, and one of the most charismatic people I've ever met in my life would just ask people questions about themselves. You have, um, uh, is, it, is it Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People? It's the first thing, right? Be genuinely interested or curious, we'll say. That's a better word you should use. Be genuinely curious in other people. It prompts a response. Okay, so that's the first one. Confusion slash curiosity. Can't stress enough, this is everything you could find out there in sales. From personal antidote level to business organization to sales training to government funded hundreds of millions of dollars confirmed. This is pinpointing those things. You don't have to take another... Uh, I'm, I'm mixing every sales course you're going to take from now to the rest of your life into this podcast. So number one, confusion, curiosity. That's first. Okay, second. Second thing, childhood regression. Childhood regression. Regressing to the state of a child. And one of the CIA manuals uh, for interrogation, maybe it was, in the, it was the FBI manual. Uh, it's literally called interrogation. They said, the goal of the interrogation is to reduce your subject to the psychological state of a child. That's from that manual. There's another book called Games People Play that outlines what they call our ego states. The state of a parent, the state of an adult, the state of a child. And I'll make it simple for you. A parent tells people what to do. An adult is somebody who sees things even kill and considers things. A child is somebody who's easily suggestible and influenceable. Those are your ego states. Um, have you ever been around somebody that reminded you of like your grandpa or somebody that reminded you of your dad or your grandma, right? And you 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 can't help but be slightly re- regress to the state of a child. Here's another thing. Have you ever had to, I've done this when I was younger. Have you ever had to walk outside the morning right when the garbage truck was leaving and you had to run outside? For those of you who are from the North or the Midwest and it's freezing cold and you don't have shoes on and you have to run across that cold ass concrete and you, you ever wake up so tired you almost want to cry even as an adult. You notice in the military they don't let you sleep, right? Wearing you out reduces you to the psychological state of a child which makes you suggestible. Okay, because as a child, you need help from adults and you are more willing to accept authority and be suggestible to people. So reducing someone to the psychological state of a child, childhood regression, that is that's the goal. Um, You don't have to be crazy with it, but somebody has to be to the point of being suggestible in order to, uh, you know, guide them in the direction you want to guide them so there's the second thing childhood regression be regressed to the psychological state of a child um third thing here so say somebody's doing these things to you 
How do you avoid being influenced by them? How do you avoid being influenced by these things? You know, how do you, uh, if somebody's doing this to you and you're noticing it, it's working. So there's a, another manual from the CIA. It's called Resisting Influence. Um, I believe actually it's a Philip Simbardo who ran the Stanford Prison Experiments. And the whole thing is over resisting social influence. That's what it's called, resisting social influence. If somebody was doing these things on you, how would you resist? One of the, I'll tell you one of the number one ways you resist persuasion. It's going to sound crazy. Um, and one of the CIA, to, to cross-reference this again, and another one of the CIA manuals, um, it said that when they keep somebody captive for a while and they start to meditate, they start to have hallucinations. And so essentially, your brain is that powerful left to your own devices. Your psyche is that affectable left to your own devices. Um, a lot of introverts, obviously, they'll be a lot less uh, easily influenced by other people. Why is that? Because they spend a lot of time alone. If you're an introvert, which I am, so I can attest to this, you believe extroverts are easily manipulated, manipulatable people. And they are, right? because they go along with the crowd and, and their opinions may or may not always be their own uh, personal opinions. Okay? And so if you want to resist influence, you need to spend time alone and you need to have your own beliefs. Think about praying. What is praying? You're spending time alone in a bubble that you've created meditating on values so that when you go out into the world, you are psychologically transformed by your environment and by your rituals to resist certain temptations, to resist certain behaviors because you've spent time alone. Let me use a better word, ruminating on your values. And so if you spend time alone ruminating on your values, it is very difficult for somebody to talk you out of those when you go back into a social situation. So to avoid these things, have alone time and personal hobbies. If you feel you're being too influenced, leave the environment. And you don't like where it's going, don't second guess yourself. Leave. Only people who are too social that don't spend time enough second guess if they're crazy or if they're noticing people's intentions are off. Okay? So if you want to avoid these things happening, spend time alone. Spend time alone indoctrinating yourself into the opposite of the values that you don't want to have. Focus on your values. Pray, meditate, create, craft your own worldview. Um, it's not always good to be in an echo chamber, but for the practical use, this is avoiding being influenced easily by other people. Okay? So there's how you avoid that influence. Essentially, meditation. So that's number three, how to avoid being influenced. Here's number four. And this is from a CIA document. I believe this was labeled, uh, this was also from in interrogation. Yes. Number four, suffering increases suggestibility. I want to make a caveat to this for suffering increases suggestibility, meaning when you suffer, you become easy to persuade. Meaning if you're getting tortured, you're tied up and getting tortured, you're probably going to talk. 
there's a caveat here. I got a buddy who was uh, special forces in the army, and he told. I remember him telling me this. He said, "You can be trained to resist physical torture, but you cannot be trained to resist mental torture." Uh, I read in in a CIA manual as well that people can even begin to enjoy the torture as almost a form of rebellion. Physical torture. I mean, literally, they can teach themselves to enjoy it. Don't know what that process is. I don't want to find out, right? Um, however, you cannot resist mental torture. That is what will drive you insane because resistance is a mental thing. Resistance in some ways is not a physical thing. You can't resist physics. You can't resist gravity, right? You can resist the influence of other people and your own faculties making decisions. Therefore, the seat of your decisions is in your mind. The seat of your decisions is in your mind. And since the seat of your decisions is in your mind, you can always resist physical torture, but you can't resist mental torture. Suffering increases suggestibility. Uh, another thing Jordan Belfort talks about in Way of the Wolf is how his dad, like he's not gonna, he's a hard person to sell. He said, my dad is the hardest person to sell ever. But he said they went on a vacation once and his car broke down. And when his car broke down, he walked to the nearest gas station and said, I need you to fix my car now and I don't care how much it takes. With every other salesperson, he'd get the hell out of the way. Right? I don't care what you're selling. Look at this dude. Who the fuck do you think he is? I'm not buying shit from you. Get away from me. But when his car broke down, he immediately became a customer. Um, if somebody said, give me all the money in your wallet, you probably wouldn't do it. But if they put a gun up to you and said it... you might be a little bit more prone to do it, right? So suffering, and I'll add to this uh, for you that those of you that want to execute this in sales, the suffering must be their suffering. It can't be your projection. Meaning if you say you're a bad person, but they don't care, they're not going to make a decision because you guilted them, right? It has to be something that causes them their own personal. They have to perceive the suffering. So that's number four, suffering increases suggestibility unless you have a problem i don't have a solution unless you have an issue i don't have a product to fix that unless you're hungry i don't have food for you unless your car breaks down i'm not your mechanic right suffering increases suggestibility Uh, not to be confused with something like authority right um Authority where you listen to what people do. Suggestibility is where you would do it rather they were there or not. Suggestibility in some sense isn't a social thing. It's a self-perceived thing. I don't need someone to convince me to eat if I'm hungry. Right? Um, And okay, is that one, two, three? That's four. Suffering increases suggestibility. Number five. This is, I kind of found this from Jordan Belfort and a mix of uh, Jordan Belfort and Chris Voss never split the difference. It's, he's an FBI, you know, an ex-FBI terrorist and hostage negotiator. The Ackerman model is essentially a step-down sale, meaning you tell somebody, it's, it's like a negotiation, right? You anchor it and you say, this is going to be $3,000. If they don't do that, the next time you say, you know what? Okay, I'll give you $200 off. It's going to be $2,800. If they don't do that, you say, okay, it's going to be $2,500. 
right? So now it's 25 hundo, but you started at 3K. That's the Ackerman model. It seems so simple that I never used it because I didn't think it would be helpful and it I'd, I'd been packed up with so many tools to close deals that I never thought it would come in handy. This is for those people that are just too, they're just really way too difficult to sell to. Those people are the most affected by this. The people who don't close to begin with from the suffering and their suggestibility. Uh, so the Ackerman model, right? Somebody will do Jordan Belfort's, he calls it looping, right? If somebody doesn't buy at the end, you say, oh, okay. And they say, well, what, what, what seems to you know, be holding you back with that? Well, it's just, you know, this, this we want a car in a different color. Okay, yeah, I hear you. Uh, but let me ask you, I mean, do you like the car? Yeah, I like the car. Oh, of course. Well, listen, this is one of the nicest cars on the lot that fits what it is you're looking for from getting to and fro here and there. Um, I, I mean, this is one of the most reliable cars we have on the lot too. What if instead of, you know, instead of $1,800 payment, if I know it's nothing crazy, but if I could get you down to 1700, would you consider, I mean, you can always get a paint job. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. I mean, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah. I mean, let me help you out. And then if they don't loop on, if they don't work on that, then for those of you interested in Jordan's looping, then you talk about you as a salesperson, then the company. Anyways, the Ackerman model, that's what it is. Um, I'm not going to quote it exactly from Chris Voss's book. Listen, man, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry for not being particular. <laughs> this is for a general overview for salespeople um, and persuaders. And, and so, yeah, that's the Ackerman model. It's basically a step-down program where if somebody doesn't take the first offer, you lower it, you lower it, you lower it. You always want to shoot above your payment and then go down. So that's the Ackerman model. Okay? So that's number five. That's the Ackerman model. It's essentially a step-down. Again, it's a step-down program where if you, you give some the first offer, they don't take it. You give them the next offer. You give them the next offer, next offer. People do it in negotiation all the time. You hear them, right? A 25. Could you do it for 24? Mm, I don't know. No, I can't do it then. You know what? Screw it then. I'll, I'll do your 24. Okay, cool. Deal. They shake on it. You see how it was a step down? You need to be able to do that deliberately instead of get talked out of your price. If you want to make 20, if you want to make 2K on a car, you need to set the price at 25 and then you need to let them negotiate you down to 2K. But you don't just go down to 2K. You say, well, would you do it for 24? You negotiate again. Okay, would you do it for 22? Man, you got me. Uh, listen, this is the last one I'm going to make. I literally am like losing money at this point and I just want to get rid of it. And it's a really nice car. Like it's a nice brand and I took very good care of it. And truth be told, you ever have problems, hit me up and I'll see if there's any documentation or anything I can do. I'll do 2K. That's the last thing I'm going to do. Then they do it. Does that make sense? You do a step down as a, as a negotiation deliberately. So that's the Ackerman model. You want to start higher than what you want and talk yourself down or let them talk you down. That's five, the Ackerman model. Six is going to be autonomy. This is lesson number six, autonomy. I was really not good at this. I was trained by a bunch of shark-ass salespeople. You know, for, for us salespeople that go in, especially like, you know, local companies with salespeople, 
Um, they teach you, hey man, just keep pushing. Never take no for an answer. Always be closing. Push, 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 push. When you develop this mindset, you give the other person a feeling of taking away their autonomy. And when you take away somebody's autonomy, they don't want to do what you say no matter what the hell it is. It doesn't matter if it benefits them, okay? You know, I, I suffer with arrogance. i just be honest with you. And when somebody tells me to do something, even when I was in sales, they say, do it this way. I'd say, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> even if they were right. Like, even if it was costing me time and money, I'd just be like, don't tell me what to do. If they were that good at salespeople, by the way, they would have convinced me and they didn't. Uh, to be fair. To be completely fair. So autonomy. You need to give people autonomy. You need to let people know, hey, you know, if it's people say, well, what makes you think I should sign up for your product? Jeremy Miner will tell them this. He'll hit them with a, well, I'm not quite sure it is right for you yet. Pressure alleviated. Okay. There's, there's the autonomy thing. Pressure is now alleviated because you gave them their autonomy. Now back to what we said about psychological regression. Ironically, the time you have the most perceived is the word here perceived autonomy in your life is when you're a kid people get older they say oh life is just bills and work no autonomy when you're a kid you get to do whatever you want so i believe giving people autonomy also reduces them to the psychological state of a child because they get to go yeah i do what i want i get to choose the options cool choose the options here's your three options i chose them for you cool i get to use my autonomy to choose them they're suggestible right iPhone lets you customize the phone. You're suggestible. You have autonomy. Remember MySpace? How you can make your own MySpace? You're, you're being given autonomy. You're being given the illusion of choice is really what it's going to come down to at the end of the day. Um, but you're being given autonomy. So that is that is quote number six. That's going to be autonomy. Um, so yeah, there we go. One, two, three, four, five, six things that I learned from these CIA manuals. Um interrogation negotiation brainwashing and persuasion my dog is uh, going crazy over here right now so outside making this podcast for y'all so those are uh six things that i learned have been super beneficial in selling persuading you know running sales teams and and so again i'd like to say this isn't me tested this isn't my company tested this isn't other company tested this isn't just one government tested. This is me, everybody else, um, tons of businesses and tons of government funding tested. These are not like some program that a salesperson, one salesperson made all the way across the board. This, this is what shows up to be persuasive. Um, this is, this is what shows up in programs or, or any type of Anything you could get your hands on, right? Like books, movies, any organization, any person who knows what they're doing and the slightest, these are the things that they're going to tell you to work on. These are the things that you, you should be working on if you're not <clears throat> already working on them. And so, yeah, there's six things, right? One, confusion, curiosity. Two, childhood regression. Three, uh, alone time and meditation to not be influenced. Four, suffering increases suggestibility. Five, the Ackerman model, having a step down to your offer. 
six autonomy. So go take these, um, you know, bring this. It's, it's, these work so well, I'm telling you. It's not just about making a sale, dude. It's not just about uh, close. I mean, politicians use the suffering increases suggestibility. Right? And we're not going to get political on the podcast. We're not going to do that. But we are going to analyze politics. I don't want anyone's opinion on what they do or don't want. Uh, we can do that another time. But if you look at Donald Trump, that's exactly what he did. I'm not advocating or denying this person. Again, I'm not getting on the topic of politics. Now, he did the same thing, right? He said, are you guys sick of the country being like this? Are you sick of these, these problems? And Joe Biden did the same thing. Are you sick of being treated like this? And all, all these, they do the same thing. They pinpoint your suffering to increase your suggestibility. So this isn't just like, how do I close another $2,500 deal? This is how do I close a $2,500 deal? How do I do a, you know, hostage negotiation? And this is how do I, you know, take over a country or become a political leader of a country? I'm going to give you one last nugget. If you stayed to the end, one last thing here. Okay. So you get a number seven, labeling. Chris Voss calls this labeling. Labeling is when you name somebody's emotion and you dissolve it by doing so. When you dissolve a negative emotion by labeling the emotion, meaning if somebody's upset, you say, you look upset. That will reduce being, a lot of people think that'll make someone more upset. Even I used to think that. I used to think that about myself. It doesn't. It makes it go away. Why, when we listen to music, do we feel better afterwards from listening to a sad song? Why do we feel a little bit better? Because we are addressing that emotion, labeling it, and that is making it go away. So in a negotiation, especially when you're dealing with an extremely assertive person, and they say, I feel this way. You say, well, you seem to feel this way. That's number seven, labeling. If you want to diffuse the negative emotions, name them. It's not that complicated. If you're in a bad mood, listen to a song that captures the way that you feel. So take this, close some deals, uh, save someone from a hostage situation, and influence the politics of a country. Good luck, guys.